You're listening to She Said What with your host, Alyssa Harper. Hello, everybody. Welcome or welcome back to the podcast. If you have not been here before, my name is Alyssa. I'm a Canadian girl. I live in Sydney, Australia. I am living by the beach right now. I'm becoming a Pilates instructor and I have a podcast and this podcast is all about all things to do with wellness. We really focus specifically on things that can be kind of TMI, kind of too much information, things that maybe people wouldn't want to talk about in public super loudly. And we do this because there's a lot of conversations that need to be had that have ha- had had that aren't happening. And that's why I do focus a little bit more specifically into like sex and sexuality, um, even things like mental health that can be a little bit um, stigmatized still. And then of course we talk about wellness just overall. So I will touch on fitness and wellness, um, skincare, nutrition, relationships, that kind of stuff as well. So saying that today's episode is really just a big, broad episode of me giving you all of my tips and tricks, basically that I would have told myself two years ago when I started this intentional self-growth journey. At the time, I was just at my worst. I wasn't living at all authentically in my truth whatsoever. My mental health was not great. I didn't like how I looked. I didn't like how I felt. And I just like knew I needed to have a full on glow up. I didn't know what it was at that time, but I was like, okay, something needs to change. And this is kind of like a little overview, a little cheat sheet of all of the things that I've learned from one bestie to another. A little update on my week. So this, oh my God, (laughs) this last week has been crazy. So in the start of my um, last episode, I was saying to you guys like, oh, I just posted a video on TikTok talking about cycle syncing. And I was just surprised because I was like, it has like 10,000 views and, you know, people are looking at it and I'm really happy that people are talking about it because we need to be talking about this, whatever. So that video got 2 million views. (laughs) which is crazy. And there are now like, I think I've gained about 20,000 followers on tick on, yeah, on TikTok since then. And then just like a few hundred over on my Instagram, which is great. Cause I just, I love that the reason that I am seeing more and more of you on my social media is because we are talking about things that are taboo. Like that is like, it feels almost backwards to me because I was always scared to talk about some of these subjects that I talk about on the podcast because I thought, oh, no one's going to want to hear about it. People are going to think like periods are gross or people are going to think, um, I don't know, who is she to be talking about sex and sexuality when, you know, she comes from this background of church and stuff like that. I just always felt like I was almost doing something bad by talking about these subjects. And now the more I'm hearing from all of you, all the comments that I've received, oh my God, in the last week, like we need to be talking about this. That's like, this is, I haven't felt this strongly about this in so long. We need to be here for each other. We need to be talking about what we're doing to support our mental health, to have conversations around sex and sexuality. It just needs to happen. And oh, I'm just feeling so grateful to be here this week and to get to do this podcast with you guys. So thank you for being here. Like I said, we are just going to go through a whole bunch of little subjects that I've kind of put together. Um, I'm going to be giving you specific recommendations when it comes to even like brands of things that I use when it comes to like skincare, um, things like that, like specific books that I've read that I'm going to give you so you can read the resources for this episode. I'm sure it's just going to be so long. (laughs) And I always keep that in the show notes for you guys. But we're going to be going over mental health and mindset, fitness and nutrition, relationships, sex and sexuality, and growing in that area, Um, skincare, hormonal health, and I'm sure there will be more stuff along the way. But that's everything. I'm so excited. Let's get right into it. We're going to start with mental health and mindset. Now, this area is obviously, that's such a big range. Like mindset's one thing. Having a mental health issue such as like depression, anxiety, um, BPD, anything, ADHD, all of these mental health issues, I'm not saying that any of these things can just be solved by reading a self-help book. I do not want to give that impression at all. I am very aware of what it's like to be diagnosed with anxiety and depression. I was diagnosed with this two years ago when I was at my worst, like I mentioned already. And I know that that is not 
for someone who's in that position, it is not my place to be like, oh, just like drink some water and you'll be fine. Like I know that. And I want you to know that I absolutely have grace and not even have grace. Like I can feel that. I know how you might be feeling if you're in that situation. So saying that, I understand that this is a huge range, but the things that I'm going to say to you, uh, my, my kind of tips in this area are for anyone who, yes, maybe does have a mental health disorder or a mental health issue, um, just or to anyone who wants to improve their mindset and just realizes that maybe from a day-to-day basis, they are stressed or they are feeling a bit down or they are feeling unfulfilled. Um, and what can we actually do about that? So my number one thing is this, this is a big one. It's kind of an obvious one. And I thought I should just get it out of here at at the start is therapy, (laughs) going to therapy. And I know therapy is expensive. I know it takes intentionality to plan financially for therapy. And I know that when it comes down to it, regardless of how many things I can say to try to get you to go to it, some people cannot afford it. Um, so the reason I'm saying that is to just make sure that you feel validated if you're like, yeah, well, I can't really pay for it. I understand that. Um, there are definitely free services and there are definitely like apps and websites or things like better help. There's a lot of kind of apps and things that you can do that are free, obviously helplines, things like that for more crisis situations. Um, but any of those, you know, going to any form of therapy is going to be so valuable for you because you are going to someone who is a professional in this area. To you, you might just feel like, oh, it's just my silly little thoughts. You know, it's just my silly little mental health. It's just me having these little issues. And a lot of the time people don't go to therapy because they feel like, it's not big enough or it's, it's not, um, important enough to sit down with a professional. Um, and a lot of the time people, not just individually, but on a wild scale, a wide scale within society, we invalidate mental health issues because it isn't present in the way that a physical issue is. Um, and obviously this is something that's been stigmatized for a very, very long time. And it's something that anyone working in this field is absolutely focused on getting it to not be something that is stigmatized. Um, but I just want to validate you here and now that if you have an issue, if you are feeling depressed, if you are feeling anxious, if you are having anxiety attacks, or you just feel like you need someone to support you to sit down and talk to you about these things, going to see a professional doesn't mean that you now have anxiety. Doesn't mean that you are now depressed and you're going to go on medication and you're going to be stuck in this way of living for the rest of your life. There are so many routes that this can go down and it is so worth your time talking to someone. It doesn't matter what people in your life say about, you know, these people are crazy, like everyone's self-diagnosing these days. Who cares about that shit? Don't listen to those people. You need to take your health into your own hands and it is absolutely worth you taking the time. I say this because I, like I said, was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And now today, about two years later, I would definitely not categorize myself that way anymore. Like I wouldn't be able to say I have depression or anxiety at all because if I went to go see a psychiatrist right now and told them my current life and, you know, they listed out symptoms and I would say that I don't have, you know, like basically any of them, um, I wouldn't be categorized there anymore. I'm not saying I found a a cure (laughs) for depression and anxiety, but I have definitely like flipped my life on its head for the sake of my mental health. And I like, it's just crazy. It's crazy. I, when I think about who I was, when I was having anxiety attacks all the time, when I think about who I was, when I was just like crying all the time and like, was just not stable. It's like a different person. It's a completely different person. And the reason I was able to get out of that was because I went to go see a therapist. There was a short period of time that I was on medication for depression, um, but it just didn't do it for me. I like, it just was, it was Zoloft for any of you who might know, but it just didn't work for me. It made me feel really flat. It made me feel really numb overall. And although I wasn't having anxiety attacks to the same, um, Um, extent that I was at one point, like I just didn't feel anything. So it was just hurting my relationships and it wasn't good for me. And I had to come off saying that lots of people do go on medication for their mental health and it is like their savior. And so regardless of what you want to do, there's no judgment from either side. I think there's value in seeing kind of both sides of that argument, uh, do what you need to do. But yeah, that's kind of my story with that in therapy. My next tip on this is reading books and reading other people's stories 
and finding comfort in shared experiences. And this can be dangerous in the sense of if you start to find, you know, creators and whatever people on TikTok, people on Instagram that have these specific issues that you also have, sometimes it can feel like it reinforces it. And sometimes it can feel like it's so validating to the point that you might self-diagnose. And I'm not telling you to do that, but I'm telling you to take the time to listen to other people's stories because when you hear someone else talk about their experience, that feeling of like validation in the sense of, okay, you know what? Someone else hears me. Someone else has felt this before. I'm not alone. Like this person has gone from having, you know, this really, really bad issue to now suddenly thriving and and now helping people in that area. That's crazy. It might, you know, in your position right now, you might feel like that's crazy that they've gotten from one place to the next place here. But I think it's really valuable and I think it's really important and really, really good for you because it, it gives you that hope and it gives you a sense of hope. And I always recommend doing that. I have been able to move forward in so many areas in my life just because I've heard other people's stories and gone, okay, so it's not just me. And I don't think people realize the value in that until they start taking that up. And next, I would say work towards understanding yourself more and more every day. Work towards understanding yourself more and more every day. And the reason I say this is because we don't really, especially when we're younger, we don't realize that we don't really know ourselves. And like, obviously that might sound dumb because yes, we're all constantly evolving and we're constantly like figuring out who we are and what we want to become and who we want to be with and where we want to live and what we want to do for a job and all those things, yes, evolve and are things that you figure out in a lot of the time your younger years. Um, and by younger years, I mean, realistically, it's your whole life. Like <laughs> we're always changing, but it's important for you to intentionally start to figure out who you are. Um, and this could be done through so many different things. You could do personality tests, things like that, things that like are really concrete and genuinely give you like a really good grasp of who you are, specifically ones that help point out the things that you are good at. Because when you know the things that you are good at, it's a lot easier for you to lean into them, to be confident in them, and then to use them to your advantage. And that's where you really start to see that expansion into the areas of your life that you want to be moving forward in. And you find you're a lot happier and you're a lot more content with whatever you're doing on your day to day because you've purposely leaned into the things that you're good at, which obviously makes sense. But a lot of the time, we just don't do that. It's really easy for us to just look at the people around us, compare ourselves and be like, oh, I'm really bad at this thing you know, this, this sucks about me. They're really good at this. I really want to be like that person. And you kind of see how you're not good in comparison to another person. When you have no idea the struggles that's going on in their life, you have no idea the things that they consider themselves to be really bad at. And when you can say, you know what, F it, I'm not going to care about what the people around me are doing. I'm just going to think about me purely right now in this moment and figure out what I'm good at. When you can lean into that, things really do begin to change. Something for me as well, this is kind of in a little, like a little different, but for me, I started to realize that I need alone time. I need alone time. And it was only recently that I really realized that when I say I need alone time and then I go sit on my phone and I go on social media, that's not alone time. I'm not alone. I'm talking to a bunch of people. Like that's not alone time. And I've had to realize, okay, cool. That actually doesn't leave me feeling super refreshed. I think I literally need to be sat like on the beach and either reading or like literally just laying there, (laughs) maybe like meditating, going in the ocean, whatever, things like that. Um, you know, going on a walk, going to get a coffee, going to sit in like a cafe, doing things intentionally on my own and trying to spend that time alone. I have learned how valuable that is for me. And it's literally energized me so much and it's given me so much more energy for when I am with people. And instead of forcing myself to be um, a really, really outgoing person and forcing myself to be um, an extrovert, which is typically what is applauded within our society is extroverts and people who are like very people pleasing and very, um, you know, just like funny, energetic, outgoing. Like those are the people that we tend to applaud within our society being like, it's actually okay to be an ambivert, which is what I am, where I'm, you know, basically half and half, um, which has always been a big struggle for me. (laughs) Um, but it's something that I've definitely learned to balance. The more you start to recognize that, like, okay, even just that, for example, I'm an ambivert. I need time alone so I can be energized when I'm with people. That is so valuable. And that can take time to do. 
But this is just an area that I would love for you to just look at, like take stock is something I say a lot of the time. Just take stock, sit down with a journal or you know, with your phone in the notes app. I always just love the idea of a journal though, because you got no notifications, you're not going to be distracted. And it's just a lot easier. I find to connect with yourself. It takes time for you to write things down, um, which is good because it gives you extra time to think. I really, really like that. But sitting down with a journal and writing down like positive qualities about yourself and writing down where you might want to go and writing down things you might want to do and kind of writing down if in five years, you know, I could be here, where would that place be? And just taking a second to take stock and kind of ground yourself to where you are in your current life. And I just think that is so, so valuable. Lastly, in this area, I would say understanding that your life happens in seasons and that not every season is meant to be a season of thriving. You're going to need seasons of planting, right? Like the base like ground level planting, like hanging out with a friend for the very first time and it being kind of awkward and like just getting to know them that could potentially become a huge friendship, right? Or going to a job interview and being nervous and like, I don't know, having to prepare for it and having to like make a resume and do all the stuff that's annoying at the start of a process um, or starting something like, I don't know, if you wanted to do something on social media, like a TikTok or whatever, doing those first videos and like being kind of bad at it and like not knowing how to get the right angle or the right lighting or whatever, right? Putting yourself out there is always scary for the first time. Or I don't know, reading a book. If you're not someone who normally reads and you're like, wow, I always see people who like really get into books and like, I want to be that person, but like, I, I'm not like that. I used to be like that too. I never used to read. I literally, after high school, dead ass probably read like one book for the next two years and then was like, hmm, I think I want to read again. And so in the last, you know, two years, like I said, as I've been going through this journey, I've started reading again. And now I am at the point where I'm reading about a book a month. And to me, that's huge growth. To some people that might be like, that's actually not a lot. It's only 12 books a year. But to me, it's a lot of growth. And it's really important that you're able to just see yourself in your journey, like I mentioned before. But recognizing, yes, that you might be in a season of purely planting. It could be a season of purely growing and just being there consistently, showing up consistently for that friend, reading 15 minutes a day rather than trying to figure out how you're going to read a book in a month, reading that 15 minutes a day, taking that 10 minutes a day for your mental health and journaling, right? It's that season of growing. It's that consistency and seeing that process. And it could be that season of nourishing and pouring more and more into specific areas. So maybe you want to be someone who reads, but right now you really need to focus, focus on your mental health. And as much as you want to read a book, it's like, you know, that would be great. And maybe I can read five minutes a day and read this book in a year. That would be great. But I need to focus on my mental health like crazy. And that might mean that I need to work an extra day at work to make money so I can go to therapy, whatever it is for you. It's that nourishing specific areas, maybe potentially, and then just giving things time to grow and recognizing that things happen in time. And if you are having anxiety attacks every day right now, tomorrow, you might not just suddenly never have an anxiety attack again, right? You might not have that miracle moment, but over time, you might be able to create practices and learn through professionals what you should do in those situations so that you can get to a point where if you do happen to have a panic attack and it's like this random thing that never seems to happen anymore, you know exactly what to do in that moment. And just recognizing that you might need time to go through these different seasons. Ooh, another little bonus thing that I just remembered that I forgot to say earlier is gratitude journaling. And I've talked about this many times before and I won't go on about it forever, but I am shocked at how much gratitude journaling has helped me have a more positive mindset. A big struggle for me is that I'm very analytical and I'm very critical of especially myself. And I have a really hard time with seeing only in my mind, okay, here's my to-do list, here's what needs to be done, and here are all the things that I'm bad at and the things I need to fix about myself. And the problem with that is that I'm not able to celebrate the things that are actually going really well. So for example, 
this last week where I've seen like 20,000 new people on one of my social medias. And I, instead of in my mind thinking, oh my God, that's amazing. I'm so happy that these people are liking this thing that I'm creating so that it actually helps them. Instead of seeing that, sometimes my brain goes to the, oh God, now there's all these people watching me. I need to make sure what I'm saying is good. I don't know anything. Who am I to talk about these subjects? And it's like, my brain can kind of highlight the wrong things. And this is why gratitude journaling is amazing. So my favorite practice when it comes to gratitude journaling is doing it in the morning because it really helps set your mind for the day, your mindset for the day. And it literally takes five minutes. I write down five things that I am grateful for. Five things. And it can be anything. Some people will tell me that they try this and they're like, but I can't think of anything. Like, I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be like, I've just finished my degree. It can be like, it's sunny out today. (laughs) It can be, I'm really enjoying my coffee. It can be, I have a roof over my head. Like there are five things that everyone can be grateful for. There are a hundred things that everyone can be grateful for. And if you are listening to me saying this and you're like, "Mm, I don't know, you need it. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, but you need it because I needed it too. And that's why I can say that I needed it too. So focusing on some sort of gratitude practice is amazing. Some people, like I like to do it in the morning. I think it really, really is necessary for me in the morning, Um, especially in the last, like maybe I think it was like about three weeks ago. I didn't do it for like four days. Like I just got so distracted. I had so much going on. I didn't do it. And I'm telling you, I felt like garbage. Like it's crazy. The only reason I'm sharing this with you is because it has proven time and time again that it is so necessary. Of course, some people like to do it at night as well because they like it because it kind of like closes off their day for them. And it's like five things that they're grateful for specifically from the day. But think about whatever's going to work for you, whatever you're actually going to do, try to commit to that. If I could give you any resources on mental health, I read this book at the pretty, like pretty, pretty start of my journey when I was really still struggling with anxiety. And it helped me so much. It helped me connect the fact that my mental health issues are actually a physical thing. They aren't like in my head, quote unquote, they're literally a physical thing. And there are things that I can do about it when it comes to nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, sleep, everything. Um, and the book is the end of mental illness by Dr. Daniel Amen. I just think he is incredible. He is like just a genius. Like I'm telling you, this book blew my mind. Um, it's pretty information heavy. And again, if you're not someone who's like ready to just start reading, (laughs) um, then that's so fine. But he does a lot of stuff on social media as well. So I would just recommend going over there and following him. I believe it's just Dr. Daniel Amen over there. All right. Moving forward, talking about fitness and nutrition. I'm just going to start out by saying when it comes to your body, everyone's going to have different goals, like different, different goals. Some people, they don't want to lose weight. They want to literally gain weight because some people really struggle to put on weight, to put on muscle, things like that. Some people are really happy where they are and they don't really care to fit into a certain body standard that we have within our society. And I love that. So none of this advice that I'm going to be giving is around weight loss. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So if you are looking for someone who is going to tell you, here is how you track your calories. Here is how you do this, this, this to gain, to lose 20 pounds. I'm not your girl for that, to be honest. Um, I, I think there's value in creators like that for people who genuinely just want to go through a weight loss journey. And that is, you know, totally valid. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, of course, it's about you feeling good in your body. Um, but I'm not that person. (laughs) So I'm not that, but I will tell you that these are the things that have helped me get the body that I really love to feel really confident in my body and to feel good in my body. Um, physically, not just how I look, which is a huge part of it. Number one, and this might seem like a bit of a silly thing, but I just want to throw this out there. Getting good quality active wear. Yo, like this changes everything. Quality active wear that makes you feel good and like fits your body type well. Um, I There's a few different brands that I really like. I always work with, um, there's a company called Amen Active Wear and I post about them all the time on social media. And if you guys, you know, want to see their stuff, you can just go on my Instagram because you'll see it right away. I literally post about them all the time. <laughs> um, and I do codes and stuff with them and whatever, but this isn't to promote that. I'm not trying to, you know, get people to use my code on my podcast at all. This is just to share like, they are so good. And finding, doesn't have to be them, any activewear brand that makes you feel good. Because I remember I used to go to the gym all the time when I was in high school and I wouldn't spend money on activewear because I kind of felt like, oh, I'm just going to go sweating it anyways. I'll just wear like a loose t-shirt 
in shorts and whatever, but it would make me not feel confident when I was at the gym. So I wouldn't do the things that I wanted to do at the gym because I felt like I didn't look how I wanted to look. But the whole point is you're at the gym and you're trying to potentially change how you look. So why are you caring about that? You know, anyways, I had to go through that whole process over time, but I would literally buy like leggings where the band around my waist would be too low and it would make me feel like I wasn't comfortable. Whereas I learned like I need high-waisted leggings to feel good in my body um, or to feel like I, you know, I look in a way that makes me feel confident and that's great. Also, obviously comfort as well is a huge thing. Being able to actually move in it, not having active wear that maybe looks good, but is so tight or something that it makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, so yeah. I would say definitely getting something that makes you feel really, really good. And when it comes to fitness, finding something that you get excited to do. And this might take some time to figure out, like if you're someone who you've just kind of started going to the gym recently, or, you know, you just go to the gym, like, I mean, like lifting weights, go to the gym and you don't actually look forward to it anymore. Maybe it means it's time for you to try something new because I was in that situation where I was always going to the gym, lifting weights, whatever. And then we had lockdown and I was like, like, I'm going to have to do something at home. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I would just do these like fitness videos and I found Pilates and I found like matte Pilates through these videos. And I was like, I actually really like the feeling of Pilates. I like how I feel in my body after I like that there's a lot of like stretching involved and the movements are very like long and wide and seem to flow. And I like that. And I like that it feels like yoga in the sense of you're really bringing your whole body into it, not just maybe working specific muscle groups like I might at the gym when I'm lifting weights. Um, but I, for me, I would never really liked yoga that much because I felt like it was too slow and like, I don't know. I just wanted something a little more fast paced. So Pilates for me was so amazing. And coming out of lockdown, I decided I was going to go try a reformer Pilates class. Um, and if you don't know what a reformer bed, it's basically just a piece or what it is. It's basically just a piece of equipment that you can use in like so many different ways. Um, it was created by a man called Joseph Pilates. And it's just really a piece of equipment that helps you do the exercises that you might do in something like Matt Pilates. Um, but it gives you resistance and it's just a amazing. And so I started it and it was amazing. I was so nervous to go to my first class. I was like, these girls are all going to be so good. And I'm literally going to be so confused looking around the whole time, but I went and it has changed my life. And now I'm literally becoming a reformer Pilates instructor. So you never know where that's going to take you, but I definitely recommend trying different forms of exercise and getting out of your comfort zone so that you can potentially find something that you really, really enjoy. So that going to exercise isn't just this thing that you do because you feel like you should, or, you know, because it's a part of your routine, but it's something that you get to look forward to. It's something that you get to look forward to, to connect with your body. <laughs> also, I'm talking so fast and I hope that's okay. I've had people tell me before who don't have English as their first language, who listen to this podcast, that sometimes it's hard to listen because I talk so fast, but I'm telling you guys, I'm trying to give you dead ass all the information ever, all of the little details and like give it to you quickly in like a little hour podcast so that you can literally go right now and like make a plan for yourself. Like I'm trying to give it all in one little one take. So hopefully, hopefully I can get that and it makes sense for you guys. <laughs> but anyways, going forward, like I was saying before, trying to find something that you really, really enjoy. And one of my biggest, honestly, this is probably my biggest tip ever around fitness is changing your why. Taking it from, oh, I want to look a certain way to I want to feel a certain way. And it sounds easy to say, but it actually takes time to make that shift. For me, like I used to always like, I literally would look up videos like how to have a small waist, how to make my waist smaller. Like to me, that's so sad now to think about, but it's true. That's what a lot of the time people do because that's how you feel like you should look within our society and the way that, you know, beauty standards are and et cetera, et cetera. So I, instead of going, mm, how can I have a teeny tiny little waist? <laughs> I started instead finding resources to help me have a strong core because having a strong core means that I have better posture, which means I have less aches and pains, which means that my body functions in a way that is optimal, not that looks a certain way. And it's funny because the moment I've changed, I changed my why from how I look to feeling a certain way, I actually started to look better too. And that's the biggest thing. It's kind of like a little trick because you 
you start to think, oh, I want to I want to feel good today. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do just 30 minutes of movement because I don't need to do a full hour. I don't have to do anything that anyone's telling me to do. I just can do what feels good in my body. That's my why. My why is feeling good. And so maybe you just do 30 minutes of movement on, on a mat or maybe you do 10 minutes of stretching or whatever, but you kind of allow yourself to do more because you're not so focused on doing it perfectly or doing X amount of, you know, minutes cardio or whatever. You just do what feels good. And when you start to listen to your body, it gets so much easier to do that over time. And you actually end up getting in more minutes of exercise over the week because you just listen to your body and you do what feels good. So I would definitely recommend shifting your why, taking time to do that and asking yourself like, okay, what is my why when it comes to exercise and writing it down, like literally writing it down. I literally wrote down at one point, I want to feel energized. I want to feel strong. Um, I want to feel flexible because that was just something I've always wanted to do. I've wanted to be more flexible. And so instead of being like, okay, I have to go to the gym five days a week and I'm going to spend 10 minutes stretching. Instead, during lockdown, I would every night when I would walk watch my show with my roommate at the time, I would literally like stretch on the floor while we watch Netflix. That was it. It wasn't about going and lifting a bunch of weights and trying to look super skinny and like, I don't know, just doing what I felt like I had to do. It was just like what felt good and what made sense. And when you start to give yourself that availability to do that, you can actually do that your whole life and you can shift it into different seasons. So when you I don't know, have a baby, say you want to have children and you can't go and leave the house and go to the gym in the morning, but you can do something at home and you can do a little stretch in between things in, in your day. It just makes more sense. And it teaches you, that's the main thing. It teaches you this principle that you can actually ebb and flow with it throughout your life. And it doesn't have to be something that has to be done a certain way. And when you break that barrier early on, it just gives you such a foundation for movement and exercise and fitness and feeling good for literally the rest of your life. If I could recommend any book on this subject when it comes to um, eating specifically, and then this is something I'll talk about in a second a little more, eating is Dr. Michael Greger wrote a book called How Not to Die. <laughs> and it's really interesting because it talks about a bunch of health issues that you could have, which ultimately could lead to death. And it talks about all the foods that support you not having those issues, which is a really interesting approach. I actually really like that approach. Um, it's very human. And I, I found it like really, really enlightening when it comes to eating. And then as well, the book I mentioned earlier by Dr. Daniel Amen, um, he talks a lot about food in there as well. And he talks about vitamins as well. I learned a lot about um, vitamins and natural supplements and what they do. Because before I read his book, I didn't really understand that things, you know, like ginkgo biloba and other natural like ashwagandha, things like that, other nat natural um, supplements, what they actually do and that there actually is research behind it. And it's not just this like voodoo, witchy, like girl who lives in the forest kind of thing. It's like actually real <laughs> and scientific. And it's not just vitamin C that helps you. It's not just vitamin D. There are actually so many other things as well. Um, so recommend vitamins 100%. And I currently use a company called Vitable Again, another company that I do collaborations with over on my Instagram. If you care about that, please go look at that there. I'm not going to go on about it, but Vitable is amazing. Um, and then obviously, you know, you can buy vitamins anywhere really, but just make sure if you're going to buy vitamins that you look into the bioavailability of those vitamins, which is basically just the likelihood or the availability in your body that those vitamins are actually going to do something. It's basically just saying how likely are these vitamins to actually work because once you take a certain amount of something, your body doesn't actually use all of it, if that makes sense. I don't know how to explain it. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's very scientific. But look at the bioavailability and make sure that they promote that it is very bioavailable for your body. Otherwise, you might just be taking something and wasting your money. So just keep an eye on that. But when it comes to eating, like I said, I would mention when I talked about um, the How Not to Die book is just balance is just a huge, huge, huge thing. Um, every time, like honestly, probably before the last year, I've gone back and forth between like, I'm going to let myself eat really unhealthy and then I'm going to go on a little health kick and I'd go back and forth, back and forth. And you get that a lot where you get people who go on these little health kicks, they go on diets, yo-yo uh, dieting, and it just is it's not it. Um, I actually have an episode. 
Ooh, okay. I just went and found it for you guys. It's called From Disordered Eating to Intuitive Eating. And that's an episode where I break down how I also used to have an eating disorder when I was 14. Um, I really struggled with anorexia and bulimia a little bit as well. And how I basically went from that to healing, but never really having a good relationship with food to literally being in a place where I now intuitively eat and have balance and don't have any limits to what I eat. And I am still the weight I want to be. And I am not someone who is naturally thin, by the way, for any of you who are actually thinking that, um, or, you know, I don't know, naturally fit or whatever. I put on muscle really easily, but I can very much hold fat in different areas of my body. Um, but I've been able through intuitive eating to not gain weight, um, which is surprising. And it even surprised myself once I started doing that. But if you're, anyways, if you're curious about that, you can learn more about that in that episode specifically. Okay. We're going to move on to relationships. And this is just me a little, a little quick one, but I would say number one is quality over quantity friends. This is a reoccurring theme is this quality over quantity. Um, like I mentioned earlier with activewear, instead of having a whole bunch of, you know, crappy activewear, maybe just have like a few good sets that make you feel really good. You kind of want it to be the same for friends. You want to have potentially maybe a few really great people that make you feel really motivated and really confident um, rather than a friend group that drags you down and holds you back. And I only say this because I see a lot of people who are in friend groups that actually aren't people that they would choose to be friends with. It's just people that they are friends with because they went to school with them or they work with them or whatever. But it is very, very true that your friends are a very strong reflection of who you will become. And even if you say, oh, you know, but like they're my friends, but like I'm not like them. I don't really do that what they do, but they're still my friends. I get that and I get them having them as acquaintances, but the more you're around something, the more you will become that thing. The more you hear certain things being said, the more you will repeat those things or believe those things. The more, you know, you're around people who drink, you might want to drink a lot more. The more you're around people who like, I don't know, have exercising as a fundamental thing in their life, you will likely start to have that thing become a fundamental thing in your life. And it's not to say that drinking is bad or it's not to say that exercising is the most important thing in the world, but I'm just saying having that balance and recognizing that you do need to be aware of what your friends are into and figure out what direction you want to go in comparison to that. And I've definitely just learned through experience that I would much rather have a few great friends who motivate me and make me feel like I can be myself um, and help me to grow rather than having a friend group that makes me feel not good about who I am and people that make me feel judged or whatever because it is just not worth it. It is not worth it. Um, but yeah, so that would be for kind of friends. Also, I made a podcast episode a while ago about making friends in your 20s, but it can really just be for anyone who is struggling to make friends because it can be really hard to like leave friend groups or to realize like, okay, I don't really have any friends. Like that's actually really hard to kind of come to terms with. And then to decide how am I going to be intentional, intentional about relationships going forward and how am I actually going to grow healthy friendships? And if you want to hear more about that, I break that down in that episode specifically. When it comes to dating relationships, obviously that is a whole nother area. That is a whole nother area. And I am actually married. Um, I am married to a man and he is lovely. He is lovely, lovely. And if you are in a relationship with someone long-term and you guys are struggling or you're fighting or whatever, I'm just going to say this right now. Couples counseling, dead ass saved our marriage. Like not that our marriage was like gonna go anywhere. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we are so happy now in comparison to before when we didn't know how to communicate, when we didn't understand what things we were saying to each other that made each other feel judged or invalidated or whatever. Like we needed a third party person to kind of get us on a track that we, you know, would be heading in the right direction and it changed our relationship. So if you are in a relationship like that, I know a lot of you are younger, so, you know, maybe you're not married or you're not in a relationship like that. But if you are, 
it is absolutely worth it. And if you aren't, but you're dating someone and you, you know, might want to go see a counselor in general anyways, or a psychologist or whatever, anyways, it's always worth talking about your partner and just talking to the counselor about it and telling them how that partner makes you feel. Cause there might be red flags and things that you're not really seeing until you talk about it with someone. And so regardless, counseling is always a really good place to go for relationships that are struggling, um, family relationships as well. You might have, you know, a really bad relationship with someone in your family, but if you could potentially work out going to counseling together, might seem crazy right now. And it might be like, oh, that person would never do that. They would never go. Um, at least having that conversation with them to be like, hey, I actually want to work on this relationship. I want to see it thrive. Would you be willing to do this thing with me? It's always worth having the conversation. And even if you don't go, just that person knowing, like if it's your mom or your dad or a sister or brother or someone like that, even just that person knowing, okay, they are serious about a relationship and they actually want to see it do well and thrive, that speaks volumes. And the fact that you have made a move in that direction when, you know, potentially they haven't, if they choose to not do that thing with you, it speaks volumes. It really, really does. To summarize all of that, I think relationships are very much about being intentional, um, about thinking about people's love languages, not just in in um, dating relationships, but in friendships as well. Thinking about people's love languages, which you definitely need to look into, which you, if you haven't um, before, and just understanding what people need from you, and also just having that boundary and that balance of making sure that you feel like you're also receiving that back from them um, and that there is a balance in that relationship. So that's all I'm going to say about relationships right now. I, I've done a few podcasts with my husband specifically talking about our relationship, talking about sex um, and a lot of stuff like that if you guys are curious, but that um, is just in the other episodes. And I hope it's okay that I'm going through and I'm mentioning the other episodes that I've talked about these things in because you might not care about you know, relationships and sex, but you might be really interested in mental health and mindset. And that's why I'm trying to mention which podcasts I talk about more these, these areas a little bit more specifically so that you have a place to go if there's something that really kind of sparks your interest. I just, I know that your time is valuable and I want to value your time. And the more that I can send you directly to where you might need to go next, um, I'm just going to do that. So hopefully that's cool with you guys. I also hope that you guys are enjoying this episode so far. Um, if you are, you can actually now rate the podcast on Spotify and you can rate it on Apple Podcasts still as well. So wherever you're listening, if you were to rate and review the podcast, it would mean so much to me. And it's just really great for me to have feedback and to learn from you guys what you want to hear more about. You can also do that by DMing me on Instagram, which is Alyssa Taylor Harper. I will link it in the description or the little, the little show notes for this episode. Episode, um, and even coming over to my TikTok and saying hi on my TikTok and seeing, you know, all the stuff that's kind of gone crazy in the last week. But yeah, I hope you guys are liking it so far and let's move on. We have three more areas to talk about. We have sex and sexuality, skincare, and then hormonal health. So let's get right into sex and sexuality. First of all, we're going to talk about, mm, this is kind of like sex specifically, toys and lube. <laughs> if this might be a little bit a lot for you just to kind of throw this in, but I'm just going to say it. Toys, number one, sex toys changed my life. It was something that I felt really guilty about for a really long time because I grew up in the church and it was very, um, just seen as like unnatural, seen as like something that you wouldn't be doing within a monogamous relationship you wouldn't be doing it husband and wife you know you wouldn't be doing that um and a lot of the time I want to say men but people in general really can be scared with the idea of toys when their partner wants to bring it in because it, it gives this feeling sometimes of like am I not good enough for you like is this not good enough? Why do you need a toy? And especially for people who are vulva owners and they a lot of the time need clitoral stimulation, it just is not about that. It's not about someone being not good enough for you. It's not about the partner not being good at sex. It's about potentially needing that extra bit of stimulation. And ultimately, if with, if you're with a partner who is healthy, who is um, supporting, who is loving, they should want you to feel that pleasure. They should want you to feel happy in your body, feel good in your body and to get the pleasure that they hopefully get out of the sexual experience as well. And I talk about toys and things like that a little bit more on a podcast episode called All About Masturbation, which is another one that I made a while ago, but I just thought I would mention it here. Toys changed my life, changed my sex life. And 
if you are around people who don't see it in a positive light, I encourage you to follow potentially people on Instagram or just hear more people talk about it in a positive light because it can really help you feel like it breaks that stigma and it breaks that fear when you start to understand it more. Secondly is lube. Lube is so important. And the reason I've learned specifically a lot about lube is because I actually went to go see a sexologist um, a while ago because I was experiencing pain during intercourse with my husband. And we had had sex before we got married. Like I'd had sex, you know, before I got married, other people and whatever. But I never really thought of it as an issue because a lot of people who have vulvas are just, they're very used to like pain during sex. They're very used to it and they don't think it is bad because porn can very much make us think that, um, pain is normal or, you know, women are just made to suffer or people, you know, that specifically women really are made to suffer because it's, it's almost biblical. It's almost like this, you know, we are made to suffer during childbirth because of blah, 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 blah. Like it's almost biblical and it makes you feel like it's normal. And although it is normal, it's not healthy. So it's normal in the sense of a lot of people experience it, but it's not something that you actually have to experience. And there are a lot of things that you can do about vaginal pain during intercourse. So (laughs) saying that as per usual, I did mention this as well in that masturbation episode. Um, but I think seeing a sexologist, if you have any specific issues like this is so, so important. I also saw a sexologist because I had previous sexual traumas to heal. And for me, that is a really, um, like really intimate kind of topic. And it's not something that I'll necessarily share heaps about right now, at least on the podcast, but it was something that I had to heal with the sexologist. And I feel like I'm just telling you guys about all my therapy. That's basically what this episode is about. No, but I, I went to go see a sexologist and I was able to heal from those experiences. And it actually made my sex with my husband a million times better. And so I always recommend thinking about who professionally can actually help me in this area and taking the time to see, you know, can I invest some time, some money into that and going and taking care of yourself because it's always, always worth it. So we talked about toys, talked about lube and just why it is so necessary (laughs) to use. A lot of the time, you know, some of the pain issues were to do with friction. Some of the pain issues were to do um, with positioning and lube was, lube is your best friend. Okay. Lube is your best friend. The other thing I want to talk about is distancing yourself from the image that porn gives of sex. And this isn't to say that you can't watch porn, um, but if you are going to watch porn, please watch ethical porn because it's, you know, it's a whole topic, but please watch ethical porn. And not that you can't watch porn, but porn can be very addictive and can be really bad on your mental health. This honestly just comes from a scientific perspective. This comes from studies that have been done on it. And there's really cool research on a website called Fight the New Drug. If you guys are curious about all of this, if you maybe you watch porn and you just didn't know that it can do these things psychologically, um, I would definitely recommend just looking into it just so you can make that decision knowing it and like kind of maybe even you know, just tone it down a bit for the sake of your mental health. Um, but that's on porn and distancing yourself from the image that porn gives of sex. And it's not even just porn, honestly, even things like movies, um, very much portray sex in one way. A lot of the time it has to do with looking a certain way. It has to do with sounding a certain way. And it's really important that you can distance yourself from that for the sake of you having genuine, authentic sexual experiences that are actually pleasurable and healthy for you. So that's kind of just my take on porn and distancing that. I've just seen how the more I've distanced myself from that image of the way that women are portrayed in porn, um, the happier I've been and the more satisfying my experiences have been. But that's kind of for you to explore, just something to bring up. Another thing when it comes to sex and having sex with a partner specifically is having open conversations with your partner, but doing it outside of the bedroom. So one thing is that, you know, you when people say having conversations about sex, you always think, oh, that must be, you know, when we're having sex. But I always recommend thinking of, you know, the time and place, talking to your partner at a time where you guys have um, some time alone, where you're not going to be interrupted, where, yeah, you have an extended amount of time where you can have a proper conversation if it really becomes a long conversation. Um, being encouraging and saying, I really love when you do this, but I don't really love this, or you know, I really love when you do this and I want to try this. 
And it's just so important to have those open conversations. And it was really hard at first, to be honest, when I started doing this with my husband. Um, but over time, it just became healthier and healthier and healthier. And this is something that we did when we were dating as well. So this isn't, again, just to say that this is something to do with a lifelong partner or whatever. It's very much necessary for any 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 couples or any people who are having sex, um, regardless of if you're only having sex with them once and you're just, you know, having some fun, or if you are building a long-term sexual relationship with them. I'll just talk quickly about sexuality because I made a whole episode again about this. Um, I think I called it like exploring your sexuality or something because I am bisexual and it was something that I really had to explore in the last few years. I didn't come out as bisexual until after I was felt like I was in a, like a healthy and supported space to do that. Um, I could get more and more into that, but basically I chose to not come out even though I knew I was bi for a little bit of time. Um, but then I came out um, about nine months ago or something like that. And it's been a really interesting journey. And my one of my biggest tips to exploring your sexuality, this is just a little bit of a overview on the podcast that I made a bit ago, but is reading books and following people on social media and hearing other people's stories. Again, a real occurring theme, but it's true. Finding comfort in shared experiences is so valuable. Finding like just like someone who's like you, someone that makes you go, oh my God, it's not just me. That is such an important human experience and it really validates and can help you solidify what you might already be thinking about your sexuality. And I would just so, so recommend doing that and taking time to do that and finding those creators on social media and finding those YouTubers and finding those movies, I don't know, finding those people and making them your people and learning more about the LGBTQIA plus community and just becoming, you know, even if you aren't someone who is a part of that community, becoming an advocate and supporting those people because it is so, so important. Um, because of course that is a huge issue that we are still trying to work on within our society. And yeah, so that's when it comes to exploring your sexuality. Next, we're going to move on a quick little, this is a big switch up. We're going to go into some skincare and I'm only going to talk about this for literally like two seconds because A, we're almost at an hour and B, I don't really care about skincare. I'm just going to be honest. I don't, I don't care. I want to have good skin, but I don't want to spend effort and time on it. A lot of people love skincare. I do not. So I'm kind of giving you like, here's the bare minimum routine for people who don't like skincare, but you want to have good skin. Okay. Number one, Please use sunscreen. You literally, you need to use sunscreen. I was not using sunscreen, okay? I wasn't using it like a year ago. Now I use it. It is so important and it you will see that your skin is better in the short term and in the long term. It is so necessary for the long term. Literally Google like before and after skin 20 years, no sunscreen. Like just Google anything like that. You will understand. You need to be using sunscreen. And especially if you are from Sydney and you are from Australia, I should say, and the sun here is like hell. Like it is like, oh my, it's like a little demon. It's crazy. It's like so hot. It is so hot. Using SPF 50, please God, just do it. Okay. Number two, is moisturizers. When it comes to moisturizers, using moisturizers that are relevant to whatever's going on in your life at the time, whatever's going on with the atmosphere at the time, whatever's going on with your skin at the time, having two different moisturizers. And the reason I do this is because I, I have one for when I'm dry. This is the Primrose Facial Hydrating Cream by Aesop. And then I have one for when I just need like, you know, a little bit of support. That one is the Mandarin Facial Hydrating Cream, which is the one I've been using a lot recently because it's just been so humid out and I've been like so oily. So having two different moisturizers rather than just having one, having two. And this is like, you can have more than that, of course, but this is just for anybody who does not care about skincare. Okay. Number three is cleansers. Again, having two different cleansers. I have one, which is the gentle facial cleansing milk by Aesop. That one literally like it cleanses your face, but it does not make you like smooth, smooth, smooth skin because it helps you keep some of those natural oils, which I think is really important for me on like a daily regular, you know, usage kind of base. Like I think it's necessary for me to have that consistently, um, unless 
I've worn like some crazy makeup that day or I spent the day at the beach and my skin it just like I put every product possible on my face. That's when I use the Dermalogica Special Cleansing Gel. And full transparency, I have had Dermalogica spend, send things to me before, um, but I'm not, you know, obviously getting paid for any of this. I'm just telling you, I really, really like Dermalogica's special cleansing gel because it like, it really gets in there. And I cannot use that one every day. It would be way too much for me every day. It's like very, very stripping, but it is amazing for those days when I need that. Okay. Number four, Dermalogica Age Bright Clearing Serum. Now serums, okay? That's the one that I use. You can use whatever you want to use. But that one is really good for active clearing. And what I do is at night, I do my little cleanser. I do my little serum, okay? You can figure out what serum works for you. I don't care, but use a serum. And then put on your moisturizer. Again, moisturizer, more important than serum, but serums can be great. There's a lot of things that different serums can do. If you need help trying to figure out, you know, what to do with that, go find a skincare influencer. They're going to help you, but I'm not going to help you with that. I'm just going to tell you that serums are great. Okay. Find a good quality product designed for the end of the day specifically. Um, again, I really like the Dermalogica age bright clearing serum. That's the one that I use, but there you go. The other one is vitamin C serum. Like this one is specifically vitamin C. I use it in the morning and I use one from the brand called go to, and I got that one. I think I like Mecca. Yeah, I think it was at Mecca. And I'm also trying a new one right now by Dermalogica as well because I really like using things from the same brand. Like I use a lot of Aesop and I like using a lot of Dermalogica and like a lot of stuff from the same brands because I just find like products are kind of made to work together, you know? So I've been trying to use that new vitamin C um, by Dermalogica. And yeah, vitamin C is just really, really great because over time it really helps with pigment. And I had, my skin was not very good during lockdown. I was having a bit of a, you know, not a great time. And I had like a big patch of kind of like a breakout on my right cheek. And I squeezed my pimples, of course, which I'm not meant to do. And please don't do that. That's another little bonus tip. Don't do that. Um, I squeezed my pimples before they were ready specifically and gave myself literally like a little patch of scarring I know, so dumb, self-inflicted, but I understand, dumb. And I've been using this vitamin C treatment for probably like two-ish months now. And I've seen such a change in that area. Like it's literally almost completely gone. And vitamin C is just like so, so powerful. So I would obviously just recommend using a vitamin C serum. Number six. Oh yes, number six is, this is the last one, by the way, for the skincare. Again, we don't care about skincare. Do your research before you go buy a product, do your research specifically, read reviews by real people. Like, yes, of course, you know, you can read people's reviews when it comes like influencers and stuff like that. But a lot of the time people are getting paid to say things. People are getting paid to talk about specific products and you never really know when someone's being authentic. Like I personally find it really easy to tell when someone's just being honest or when they're just kind of saying it because they have to. Um, I can tell that so quickly. I don't know, maybe because I make content and whatever, I don't know, but you never know. You got to be careful with that stuff, but do research, read people's reviews, ideally from like Google reviews, not from the company's website. Cause obviously they can filter which ones that actually stay up on the website. Um, reading actual reviews from like an unfiltered, um, space and not specifically going and asking the people that work at the stores. And the only reason I say that is because I literally have a friend who got a job at Sephora and she knows nothing about makeup. And she says this, she knows nothing about makeup. And she literally just got the job because she came in and like had her makeup done. And they tell the employees a lot of the time at the start of the day or at the start of the week, which products to push for the sake of like revenue and stuff like that. So just be aware of that. When you go into stores, half the time, they're not actually telling you what their favorite brands are. Honestly, I'm not trying to talk shit. If you work somewhere like that and you honestly just always tell people what you love, thank God, you know, you're, you're really out here saving people, but that's not always how it is. And if you work there, you'd also know that. So whatever. Anyways, do your research. And if you want to get more into skincare, then maybe go somewhere else. But I love that. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> okay. Last but not least, we're going to talk about hormonal health. And this one's a bit controversial or not controversial, just like it's a hard topic to talk about because there's so many things to do with it. And my first point, the reason I'm saying this, my first point is coming off of birth control, the birth control pill specifically. 
When I came off the birth control pill, it was like a veil had been lifted. I swear to God, it was like I've been seeing through a fog, like a foggy mirror for the last six years. I was on birth control for six years. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know that it caused you to not ovulate which completely ruins your cycle. I didn't know that it caused you to not actually have your period because it's actually just called withdrawal bleeding. I didn't know that it had all these crazy side effects to do with mental health and depleting nutrients and like just ruining your gut health. I didn't know any of this, okay? I only learned all about this in the last two years. Like I said, when I realized like some shit just had to go. I had to figure it out. I had to like have my glow up. I had to sort it out. Like that was it. Like I just knew that was it. And so- I had this kind of like intuitive feeling of like, I think I need to go off birth control. I think I want to just get myself down to like bare bones and like start to build up from nothing. And thank God I did. And thank God I learned about it because it ha- it changed everything. It made my mental health a million times better. And mm, I'm just not a big fan of hormonal birth control, um, the pill specifically. Well, I mean, hormonal birth control in general, but you know, whatever. I don't want to talk all about IUDs and all that stuff right now, but I just, I would really look into how you might be affecting your hormones on a daily basis and looking more and more into that specifically. There's actually a really good podcast. I'll link it below as well, but it's, I think it's called Happy Hormones by Samantha Gladish. And she's a Canadian woman and she is like so knowledgeable on this topic, like so, so amazing. Um, And you can learn a lot more from her specifically about hormones. If you want to get like hyper-focused on this, go for it. Um, She's really great. And I'm currently reading a book right now called In the Flow by Alisa Viti. And she talks all about cycle syncing, which I'll talk about in a second. That's a really good recommendation for this area. Um, Yeah, and just learning more about it in general. For me, birth control was a big issue. Coming off of that was a whole... Thing. And you can listen to, it's actually my first podcast episode ever. Isn't that cute? My first podcast episode ever. And that is called Going Off the Birth Control Pill. So you can just scroll all the way down and listen to that if you want to hear more about that whole story, because it is a whole damn story. It's crazy. It's a whole thing. If you want to look into that, look into that there. And um, of course, I'll link everything below. What else was going to say? Oh, yes. Using products without endocrine disruptors. So when we use certain products on our body, it can very much disrupt our hormonal like cycle, our hormonal cycle basically is what I'm trying to say. And this is things like basically anything that says fragrance on it, anything that has fragrance, um, BPAs, and there's just a whole bunch of stuff. If you look up endocrine disrupting chemicals, like on Google, you can find a list like right away. So if you are interested in that as well, I went through all of my products and I switched a whole bunch of products. I stopped using um, regular, I say regular, but like, you know, it's not very good for you, um, deodorant. <laughs> and I started using a natural one, which doesn't actually stop you from sweating, but it, it changes somehow the chemistry of how your sweat like smells when it comes out. So it makes your sweat not smell which is so weird. It is the weirdest thing. The first time I used it, I was like, this is crazy. And people will say, oh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It does work. It changes the smell. It changes it so your your sweat doesn't smell, but you'll still sweat because your body needs to sweat because it needs to get rid of toxins. Anyways, so that's the whole thing. If you want to learn more about that as well, um, again, like I said, Healthy Hormones by Samantha Gladish, her podcast is so good for talking about that. If you even just look up endocrine disruptors, you can learn so much about that. And that's kind of all I have to say there specifically about your hormones. When I talk about cycle syncing, I just made a podcast episode with Ellie Blanco and she is a period coach and she specifically explained what cycle syncing is. But basically cycle syncing is just looking at the four different phases of your cycle and recognizing what things you can be doing in each of those phases to live a happier, healthier life. And little did I know there are actually like very specific things like to do with what foods you should be eating, how much like exercise you should be doing. And the fact that your metabolism changes throughout your cycle, who knew, not me. Um, (laughs) there's so many things to do with, um, how you would schedule your life and like how social you might be feeling your energy and your creativity and your intuition. And like, you can get deep, like into spirituality, even things like that when it comes to the different phases of your cycle. So again, Again, if you're curious about that, In the Flow by Elisa Viti, so good. Literally, you'll learn it all there. That's where I've learned so much of what I know about it. You need to, you literally just need to read that book if this at all interests you because it'll blow your mind. It is 
also given in such a way that is so empowering. Like she's such a little feminist. Like I love it. She's such a like, she's such a feminist and she's like so good in explaining how we need to push through and we need to make these changes within our society. Like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. So anyways, if you want to read that, I recommend that. And also that's what I've been talking about on TikTok. So I don't know if you've come over from TikTok or if you've been here for a while, um, but that's what I've been talking about on TikTok recently. So if you're curious just to get like a little few little snippets about that, you can go over there and it's the same as my Instagram, Alyssa Taylor Harper, which will be linked below. But that's everything. Guys, we got we got through it. That actually was pretty good. That was not too crazy long. And hopefully you've like just taken some notes or you've you have a place to go next if you're interested in any of these topics, which I'm assuming you are if you're here still. Um and you have something to listen to next. And if you guys have any questions, I know that was a lot and I talked very fast, but hopefully you got it all. And if you have any questions, please free to feel free to DM me because my DMs are open. I'm here. I'm here. I'm around. I'm always down for a little chat. I love a good long message. I love a good voice note, okay? So feel free to message me. I will link everything below. There's gonna be so many things, so good luck sorting through that. I'm gonna make it as clear and concise as possible, but if I could give an overall tip about all of these things. Remember, we talked about mental health and mindset, fitness and nutrition, relationships, sex and sexuality, skincare, hormonal health, is to... Take the time to work on these areas because these are things that are going to fluctuate and change and be present in your whole damn life, your whole damn life. And you are worth taking the time to work on. You are worth taking the time to care for yourself. And as much as you don't need to treat yourself like a project that needs fixing, because you don't need fixing, you are wonderful, you don't need fixing, but it is worth taking time to lean into the things and to care about the things and to grow in the areas that you want to grow in. This is for you. And that's what this podcast is about. It's for you. It's literally for you to be able to grow and to learn to love yourself and to care for your body and to make shifts and changes within your mindset and what you actually do so that you can make these changes for the rest of your life. And I really hope that that's what this is doing for you. Again, with all these things, there will be a learning curve. It's not going to come naturally right away and there's going to be a need for intentional consistency, intentional consistency and even accountability potentially. And whether that's through a friend or through an app or just with yourself, taking time to stay accountable, to stay committed to these changes and starting small, not throwing it all at yourself at once, not going, okay, I'm going to do all these things now that she just talked about. Maybe taking time to start with one area and maybe thinking about implementing things over a period of time. Another last little recommendation that I'm going to give is a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he talks specifically about doing this over a period of time and stacking habits and creating habits so that you can do all these things and do them effortlessly. So that would be my last, my last (laughs) recommendation. And I hope you guys liked today's episode. Again, please feel free to give this a rate and review, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, Come follow me over on Instagram and hang out with me there or also on TikTok. Do that as well. That would be so fun. Uh, That's just... I don't even know where that's going. It's just growing and I'm having so much fun with it. So thank you so much for being here. If you have any ideas for the podcast or things you want to hear more about, again, let me know. And I hope you guys have a lovely rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Bye guys. (laughs) 